Running Light Ministry Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. You can support these podcasts by making a gift to the ministries at runninglight.org. Well, welcome to the Better Pleasure Podcast. This is actually episode 61. Um, Yeah, it's already been, wow, 60 episodes of uh, our podcast. I can't believe it. It's just amazing. I know it has been amazing. I think this is the second year that we've been doing this podcast pretty consistently. So um, it is great to have you, Craig, as a guest today on, on our podcast. Really, thank you for coming in and being a part of it. Well, thank you, Bo, and it's a God thing. Yeah, it um, is. You hadn't planned on me being here, and how how would you know? Yeah, I, I did not know you were going to be in town. And then God just pulled it together. So He did. I expect a lot of awesome things here. That's right, and my guest today is Craig Stelflu. That's good, very good. Thank you. And And Craig wrote a book that was published pretty recently— and it's called One Man, One Woman. Who actually published it? What was the publishing house? Well, the publishing, the owner of the publishing press is Zondervan. Okay. So it's Thomas Nelson Zondervan. Yeah. Through their Westbow Press. Okay. And that's on the back of the book. You can see. That's great. The Westbow logo. Yep, a division of Thomas Nelson and Zondervan, which right. is pretty popular stuff, man. Well, and their standards are pretty darn high. Yeah, that's awesome. So it was That's uh, great. Uh, there were a few times I thought, why would I even bother trying to meet these standards, mm-hmm. which I thought some of them were a little bit too high. And then it's like the Spirit of the Holy God just said, relax, just just, just go do for it. it. Yeah, Step out in faith and we'll see what happens. Absolutely. And That's I'm great. glad I did because I think it's a much higher quality work yeah. than it would have been. Oh, yeah. It's it's good stuff. Um is this your first book? No. Uh, well, okay. I've been a writer for many mm-hmm. years, mostly neurological things. I retired from a medical clinic where I did cancer nutrition and uh, what's called neurodevelopment. And I've had my own podcast, my own radio shows on awesome. AM and FM radios, and I've written for international news agencies. And so I'm kind of well-published in that genre. Uh-huh. And this is my first genuine publication for a Christian book. Oh, that's great. Well, you're going to have to, I mean, you certainly can put out all your uh, plugs, you know, before you leave us today, as far as any uh, websites you have or any, Mm -hmm. anything you want to push, you know, you be sure to do that. We'll do that before we end the podcast. Well, the main one's the book. The book is my focus. Okay. This is it. When I retired and uh, moved to Washington from Queen Creek, Arizona, um, it's like a do-over. So what do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah. And I'm thinking, hmm, I might want to write. That's great. Well, let's let's talk about this book because we're in a series right now that is kind of like a premarital se- series. And we kind of wanted to talk about uh, issues of divorce next. And I just thought it it's so awesome that uh, I have you in here to maybe discuss the issue of divorce because it is such a big one today mm-hmm. and um and with with all your expertise on you know this subject i thought wow this is really a god thing now you in your in your contents you really go through marriage sex and marriage concerning divorce you have quite a bit of subtopics there and then you deal with homosexuality restoring oneness 
And then I did want to talk to you about uh, something in your appendix, the the kind of the hormonal evolution of mankind a little mm. bit, and um, kind of a little bit about that. Why don't we start with that? What's what's that all about? The hormonal evolution and revolution. There's two things going on. Yeah, yeah. And in the book, I kind of document that we're not quite so different. There's nothing new under the sun. And what happened back in the Greek culture uh, before Jesus' time and during Jesus' time is going on today. Very similar stuff. Uh, Maybe even amplified today because our bodies are being invaded with hormone disruptors. And that is causing an evolution in the human sexual behavior. Hmm. So yeah, so let's explain, let's explore this because <laughs> this is cool, you know, and I'm, I'm like one of these guys who's always into, um, you know, I, I love the, 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 the Bible studies that are into like these weird concepts, you know, like, you know, giants and, and, uh, you know, Nephilim and mm-hmm. genetic engineering. And, you know, it, to me, it's just so fascinating. I just go, wow, there's this whole thing we, we might not even know of, you know, that's just bizarre, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, um, and, uh, and how it relates to today in right. technology. And keep in mind, I believe in creation. Yeah. God created the heavens and the earth. Yeah. The earth became without form and void in the Hebrew. And things, there is evolution. The species do evolve. We didn't come from monkeys because there's still monkeys here, obviously. Yeah. So I I don't cotton to any of that. But there is evolution. Um, and one of the things we're seeing in our human evolution is a changing in sexual patterns and behavior and actually a change in the hormones. Yeah, okay, let's talk the human about this. Hormones. So, so there's hormones that you're saying that happened in Greek civilization years ago. Hormone disruptors. Disruptors that were part of their environment. Right. So the human body, if uh, birth and conception are sacred, they're touched by God. And God, in the, when you're formed in the, in the womb, he knows what's going on. He sees everything that happens. He knows if you're a boy or a girl. He knows how the chromosomes mix together. And uh, that's something that's sacred. But there's a lot of things that interfere with that, hormonal things. And we'll just, I'll just throw a few of them out there. Mercury is a hormone disruptor. So your uh, sexual hormones, if you're a male, you should have more testosterone. Female should have more estrogen and and, uh, all these things balance. But if you disrupt that, you're going to cause a, I don't, the word deviation is probably a hot button word right now, but it causes deviation in that hormonal function in that body. Is that why today we have so much thyroid issues? So many people dealing with thyroid stuff? Bingo. Yeah? Yeah, you win. <laughs> okay, good. Hey, I won. Yeah. I won a prize. Yeah, because so. I know that, I, it seems like that's like the, uh, 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 just so common where people go, yeah, my thyroid's mm. off. Right, know, and I think, um, the scientific, the medical fact is that somewhere close to 90% of Americans are thyroid deficient. Mm. And uh, just to chase a little rabbit trail, they take your blood test, they pull some blood out and they look at it and say, your thyroid levels are normal, but your activity levels are in the tank, your metabolism's slow, you're gaining weight, your sexual desires are nil, or 
totally something different. And all these are symptoms of low thyroid, and yet they say, hey, look, there's a test. It says right there, your thyroid is fine. And what they're doing is they're looking in the blood, and it's kind of like flying over Tucson in a chopper. And they look, and they see all these grocery trucks. And they say, man, there's a lot of food in Tucson. That's the blood test. They say, look, there's a lot of thyroid hormones in the blood. But the consumer, the cells of the body, are going like, where's my thyroid? The consumer is in the supermarket, and the shelves are bare. Mm, so the distribution's off. Right. So the blood test is not the best test. So I always recommend a uh, basal temperature test. That's before you wake up in the morning, stick a thermometer under your armpit, see what your temperature is. And you can get a basal temperature chart. You can plot that, and you can see if your thyroid's low. You can see what the function is in the cell. Would it be based off of like uh, your temperature, like going too high or going too low? Correct, going too low. Okay. If you're a low thyroid, your cellular activity is slower. Okay. And it's like I've uh, worked with breast cancer for about 20 years and other forms of cancer, and I've never had a breast cancer patient in our clinic that had a normal thyroid. Wow. Always low. Hmm. So that's a predisposing factor for a lot of our health problems. Yeah, so in the book, though, are, is your main point that because of this infiltration of foreign substances mm -hmm. in our environment, in our, in our bodies, that there is a sexual implication, a ramification of oh, that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, explain. And there's a lot of feminizing hormones, hmm. plasticizers, there's stuff in your toothpaste, it's in your the cotex, the Q-tips, the diapers. There's feminizing chemicals, and our bodies are being invaded with that. And that will cause disruption in the hormone function, not only the thyroid function, but the sex hormone function. And a lot of these are feminizing agents. So you, you get the picture. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's not the way God designed it. Yeah, so in a sense, there is some form of engineering that's happening. Right, that's, that's causing an evolution. Yeah. God designed it this way in the beginning. Man sinned. Now we have a world with, with sin. Yeah. Where we had to have a Lord and Savior to pay the ultimate price. God got him up from the dead. Now we can get back to a semblance of that oneness with God, a semblance of it, between now and the return of Christ. But then when he comes back, it's going to be like the the Ephesians talks about the church and Jesus, the bride and the bridegroom. Yeah. And then things will be put back together. Until then, we've got sin. We've got hormone disruptors. We have uh, social media. Yeah, culture have, that's just, oh boy, that's just know, all over the place. Liberal versus relativistic uh, conservative, thinking. Conservative thinking. Yeah. And, and yeah. Hey, I got a question for you, okay. too. And this is kind of off the cuff, but I thought, hey, this would be a great, great question for you, too. I was born in 72. Okay. And I was born in the San Fernando Valley, um, Encino. Um, and it was quite a sexual hotbed, mm -hmm. the San Fernando Valley. Of course, it created what is known today as, you know, the, the porn industry. Right. Um, it kind of came all from that area. And... 
Now, when you were living in the 70s, I mean, I, I, I have watched documentaries on the sexual revolution. And to me, I just am blown away. I'm just like, wow, man, that was quite a, an amazing cultural shift. I mean, I mean, just like radically the pendulum swinging. Yes. What was it like to go through that? Um, well, I was born in 1960, so I was a teenager, high schooler, early entry into college in yeah. the 70s. Mm -hmm. And I was in Texas, though. So we were rather sheltered, and a lot of people were homophobic yes. in Texas, extremely. And Texas right. was like, you know, the... The rebel flag and uh, <laughs> they know, say we're not having nothing to do with this right the republic of texas and uh very independent thinking but ultra con ultra conservative yeah so i've got an 18 year old daughter right now going through the college scene and the liberal college scene in washington state which is a blue state and she's she's got it going on everything around her is about transsexual and homosexual and lesbian and, and acceptance and all this and and they just want to be accepted of course and my daughter's caught in a very special place you know here i am a, a pastor and uh teaching her raising her with godly values and principles and she's out in the world and it's it's there yeah and you can't get away from it i've never been able to get away from it even in the conservative state of texas in the 70s, I felt at one point, I was telling you earlier, before the show, I felt like I was some kind of homosexual magnet. Mm -hmm. And these males who wanted to be with another male came to me mm. and made passes at me. And I talk about one incident in the book even, in the One Man, One Woman book. And I address the homosexual uh, movement in part, but you wanted to talk about the hormonal evolution because there's the evolution where the hormones are changing but there's also a revolution and that's what you were seeing in the chino valley that's what we're that's what i was getting a small taste of in texas that's what's full-blown right now yeah which is interesting because uh even uh berkeley has a study out i think from um 2015 that says that 3.6 percent of the population identifies with homosexual. Yeah, and yet 3%. there's Pew, uh, recent Pew uh, researchers, researchers that said that 70% of Americans are Christian. Hmm. So we're not hearing from the 70% in our media, or very little. But the revolution part is right there on the front edge. You know, my book was banned on Twitter almost immediately. Really? I get a letter, I get an official email from Twitter says this book is hate. Wow. Now, you read the book. Yeah. They didn't. Huh. Somebody looked at the title, they said one man, one woman. Well, oh, that's anti-homosexual. It's just got to be. Oh, that's what I'm assuming. Yeah. And and they and then, so what do they do? Send you a letter? They send me a, an email. Okay. That said you cannot promote this book on Twitter because it is hate. Wow. It is hate. And that's not, it's not about homosexuals. Now, yeah. I do cover that because I cover pornography. I cover Yeah, so much adultery. for freedom of uh, speech <laughs> or freedom of ideas. Right. Or, or But this book is about Christian marriage, heterosexual yeah. Christian marriage. It's not 
technically about the homosexuals or the adulterers or the divorced people. That stuff's covered in there. Yeah. But it's about marriage. Yeah, absolutely. I would imagine that people that read this book are coming at it as Christians wanting to better their their marriage and understand right. their world. Well, Jesus had a target market. Yeah. His target market was to the lost sheep of the children or of the house of Israel. Right. So the Gentile came up and said, uh, Master, help me. And he said, I can't take the bread for the children and give it to the dogs. And she said, but the dogs get crumbs. Yeah, the puppies get the crumbs. Yeah, and he said, I have not seen so great a faith, mm-hmm. no, not in all of Israel. Go your way. You got what you wanted. And there's the centurion. Right. There's the other people. That, people got blessed by Jesus' ministry, but his focus was not the Sanhedrin. His focus was not the church leadership, the lost sheep of Israel. This book, the focus of it, is for marriage. And if you want to ask me what I what the book is, it's why does God care so much about marriage? Why is marriage a big deal? This is a book of why. Yeah. And once you understand the why, you get to see a little bit of the how. Hmm. You know, the what and the how. Yeah. D- don't you find in the culture that just the ability to, to dialogue is like at a nil? Like it, mm-hmm. it's so small, like in, especially in today's younger culture yeah uh, they just they're uh it's a cut and paste culture yeah they just don't know how to sit down and at coffee shop and just talk mm-hmm. and and just be able to have dialogue and disagreement well they can probably sit next to each other and text <laughs> and, and get more done sometimes and uh, i've yeah. seen it i just the other day i was in a, a meeting and someone in the meeting was texting me mm. with a question that didn't really it had to do with the meeting, but it's like, well, we're in a meeting. Why don't you just ask me? Yeah, isn't that wild? So it's like another conversation going on. Yeah. In in the room, and so you see, you see. So in your book, you're talking. You have that one. You, you know, you're talking about. There's things that come, uh, foreign substances that come in our bodies that literally is doing any evolution in us. Right. That's changing our sexuality in Gener- subtle ways. Generationally. Generationally. Right. You know, which really. Uh, you know, answers some questions as far as what we're seeing today, why we're seeing what we're seeing today. And you're mm-hmm. giving us an answer of like, well, and, and of that, there's a lot of things that are outside that are coming in our bodies that are changing us. Absolutely. Which to me makes a lot of sense because there is such a upswing with documentaries on food. Mm-hmm. Yes. Things that are happening, sugar, um, you know, meat, Vaccines. Vaccines. I mean, it just, it, it goes on and on and on. Right. Um, uh, gluten. That's right. Gluten, yes. you know, yeah. which I am a guy who has tons of food sensitivities, you know, and I have to really make sure I'm doing well with my gut and, mm-hmm. you know, doing well, all the right stuff. Yeah. You know, having to do the right stuff, you know. Right. Um, 45 but, at 161 pounds, you mm. know, <laughs> trying to stay fit, you know. Yeah. Well, you're trying to steward your body. That's right. And you want your body to hold up and perform what God wants you to perform. Yeah. And when you're sick and dying, it's a little harder <laughs> to, <laughs> to do you know, it. All of a sudden, your battle is not about helping somebody get born again or delivered from evil influences or taught the word of God. All of a sudden, your battle is, i uh, got to save my life here. Yeah. And the best time to, 
to uh, seek your health. This is one of my bylines from my old radio show. Best time to seek your health is while you still have it. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. So anyway, I appreciate that section because okay. to me it makes a lot of cool sense. Yeah. And and I've never quite read that before. Hmm. So it really, I thought, was a, a great eye-opener, right. Craig. I mean, it really spoke to well, me. Well, I've written uh, dozens of articles on that yeah. subject, topic that's in the the news world, the news realm wow. uh, out there on the web, not under the Christian category. Yeah, I'm just surprised it hasn't cotton hold uh, more because it, it makes so much sense, mm-hmm. like I say, with all the popular subjects that are out there on documentaries today. It seems like it's not too far of a jump to get to where you're at and saying, well, hey, not only does these foreign substance affect these parts of our 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 lives, but it's also affecting our sexuality too. Right. And that's um, that's kind of where you're driving it. Yes, and even like uh, neurological diseases, uh, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, which I'm a neurodevelopment specialist. Yeah. So that's Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, autism. That stuff's going out off through the roof. Yeah. It's to the moon. And uh, now the unofficial report is it's one out of 38 children have autism. Wow. When I got involved in this in the 90s, it was like one out of 2,000. So don't tell me they're just getting better at diagnosing. There's something going on. And this is a generational evolution happening neurologically. Hmm. And it's affecting our children for generations. So something certainly is happening. Absolutely. And the same thing with our sexual evolution. We are having so much trouble uh, conceiving and carrying children. And when a species starts having trouble uh, conceiving and carrying their young to full term and the young surviving, there's a huge problem. And we are entering the beginnings of that. Wow. Because we have, uh, I don't know what the numbers are. We could Google it. Uh, But there's a lot of people having trouble conceiving. Yeah, I've noticed that too. Yeah. So it's all tied in there. That's great. uh, And that's part of the hormonal evolution. If your hormones aren't right, you're not going to be able to conceive and carry successfully. Wow. And so, but here's, here's the caveat to all of this is I would have people, because I'm a Christian, and when they came into my clinic, they're going to get prayed for. Mm-hmm. And I've had Muslims in there, and I say, you know, I always begin this with prayer. So I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to pray in the ne- in the name of Jesus Christ. Do you have a problem with that? And I, n- I was never turned down by anyone. Hmm. I've had people say, well, that's weird. Do what you got to do. But okay, man. Yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm here because I heard you can help me. But I've had people bring their children into me, and they say, my child is broken. And my child is a homosexual. So they're broken. That's what they say. Hmm. And you know what that does to the child sitting there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, of course they're broken. You're broken. Right. Everybody's broken. broken. This is a broken world. Right. And before you can even get to that brokenness, you have to get one with the Lord and Savior. Yeah. One with God. All this stuff does not matter if you can't get that part. And that's the most important part. But they're saying my child is broken. 
and they vaccinated the child. He's had mercury all his life. They're, they're drinking high fructose corn syrup, which, by the way, one of the processes for high fructose corn syrup uses mercury mm. to break the fructose away from the corn. So then they recover the mercury, but some of it's lost in process. So it's another exposure. There's phthalates, there's BPA chemicals in our plastics, drugs, pharmaceuticals have... We're inundated. Yeah, we're inundated. Wow. And, but then they think that because the child's homosexual, they're broken. Right. But everybody just needs a savior. Yeah, and parent, and, and I think, I think you know, you bring up such good points because parenting today, it, there's so much fear, you know, with parents today. Everybody's so hyper alerted. There's so much hypersensitivity. The conservatives. That's right. Yeah. Where, and I'm conservative. Yeah, and where where you know we, I could say we, you know, a, as in the evangelical conservative world. Mm-hmm doesn't know how to function quite well anymore. Um, and I think it has to do, when, when I think about it, it seems like it always has to do with our inability to really know how to deal with sin and how to rectify um, in our own lives. Um, it's almost like we've lost touch with the ability to admit wrong or go, yes, like, this is how I deal with sin in my life. Um, and, and and then it be able to extend that to, to other people. It's like there's some kind of hiccup in us yeah. where, where you know, there's such a fear. There's so, we're so scared to deal with something. We're so scared that um, we see our kids maybe go through the struggles they go through. And we just want it dealt with. But we really don't want to go to the process of going, hey, you know what? I got areas of my own life, too. And so I can talk to my kid about this in an open way. I can let them know about my own issues and struggles and let them know how I handle those with the Lord. And, um, you know, so I can show them how, like, show them repentance. Mm -hmm. Show them confession. Show them these things. Right. Not tell them. That's right. Because we're really good at that in in the conservative movement. And I've fed. I've said it a lot lately. I think the Christian church in general, not talking about yours necessarily, not talking about mine, but in general, puts higher standards for salvation than the Bible does. Mm. And uh, I was listening to some people in East Texas. I'm on a book tour, signing tour, and uh, lecture tour. And uh, these elders for a church were discussing some of the sinners in their church, not by name. They weren't trying to badmouth them, but they were saying this was their problem, and their debate was whether to excommunicate them. Mm. And I'm thinking, like, where did Jesus go? He didn't go to the hole. He said those who are whole don't need a physician. And for you to kick a lesbian couple out of your church, now what are they going to do? Well, they're going to go across the street to the next church, but what they need to hear is the truth. Yeah. And they need to hear about the Bible and salvation. The woman at the well. I covered this in my book. So Jesus gets kind of cornered by this woman. And uh, she's alone. Shouldn't be alone. Except somehow it indicates she was probably outcast from society. She w- didn't come with the maidens in their entourage, with the, the pure ones. 
the ones who were safe and saved. And she's <laughs> talking to Jesus, and uh, and they get to discussing her marriages. And Jesus says, look, you've been married five times. And the man you're with now is not your husband. And in the next sentence, if he was a churchy person, if he was one of these churches I'm talking about, would have been, go get your stuff together. Repent of all your sins and come back. And then I'm going to teach you about living water. He didn't say that. He didn't even deal with her sin. He acknowledged it. He said, yes, you're right. You've been married several times. You're shacked up right now. Let me tell you about some living water. So in all her brokenness, he said, look, this is what we need to deal with. Yeah. Get you connected to the Savior from sin. Get you connected to the Holy Spirit, the fountain of living water. Now you're at the source. And I always tell people, I'm not so smart. People go like, oh, man, you got answers for everything, especially when it comes to health. And and it's like they think oh, you're some kind of magician. I go like, I'm not so smart. I know him who's smart. Yeah. And that's where I want to lead them. Yeah. To where they have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. They don't have to come to my clinic. I'm retired. They can't do that now anyways <laughs> they don't have to come pay their six hundred eight hundred thirty four thousand dollars or whatever yeah get them connected to the source yeah that's great and that spirit will lead you in all truth teach you all truth it will show you the hearts of people around you just as it did to jesus he didn't have to ask any man about their hearts he already knew yeah and that same christ in us is right here today the same one in you, you got no more than me, no less than me. Or God is a respecter of persons. Yeah. Somehow God said, well, you know, he didn't have his second works of grace. And, and old Bo, he doesn't pray as much as you, so he doesn't get as much as, as you. It's not about us. God is so, so exponentially inf infinite that we're going to get up there to heaven and you and I, Bo, we're going to be worshiping our Lord and Savior. We're going to be worshiping this tremendous God. And we're going to look at, oh, hey, Bo, you know, isn't this cool? This is great. That's what it's about. Yeah. But God is so infinite. I think we're going to get up there and we're going to think we're going to know in our spirits that, oh, wow, we got 1% of it right. Mm. You know, hey, Bo, we had a disagreement about the word. We were both wrong. Yeah. And, you know, when you wrote the book, did you have in mind just that the inability today for marital couples to be able to have that kind of vulnerability um, in their marriage? You know, where today it seems like it's so tough to be wrong. It's so tough to have a chink in your armor as a pastor most pastors do not want to be weak. They want to be strong. So any resemblance of sin in their life is like they want to push that d aside. Mm -hmm. They would never want to be transparent about that. Right? right? Well, I want to tell you, you know. a little story, deviate just a little. Yeah. Um, I was going to Bible college, and uh, they sent us to evangelical men of God who were laying hands on people, healing them in the name of Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to mention names here because the story gets too detailed but 
there was this man of God teaching, and we were backstage. We were listening to him, following him around for uh, several weeks. And that's what, that's what our assignment was. Mm-hmm. And he's out of state, different state and everything. And he's teaching the Word of God. And people, there's like four or 500 people in the congregation. And some of them start weeping. And everybody's, it's just bringing them to this awesome spot. The Holy Spirit of God is moving. And then he does an altar call. And two-thirds of the people come crowding up, reaching for the stage. So powerful. And I was just, and my spirit was just so crushed and transformed and built up and everything all at once. And then he finally got done. He comes down the stage steps at the back and he drops a cuss word and says, I need a cigarette. Wow. And <laughs> in that That's like a inst- movie, man. <laughs> in that instant, I knew that he was a man of God. He wow. was a man of God. He was a man. We're all men. And he had his whatever, if you want to call this cuss word a sin. That's, you know, I don't know. That's God's deal to judge him. If you want to call smoking an evangelical healer to be smoking, if you want to call that a sin, that's okay. But I want to defer that one to God. But we're all, you know, men and women of God, and we all sin. Yeah. One of my men in my men's uh, Saturday morning Bible study came to me and said, oh, Greg, they're accusing me of stealing. I've been dealing with these people for 20 years, and they said, I'm stealing. And I said, well, just be glad they don't know how bad you really are uh-huh. because you're much worse than that. We right. are. We are much worse than that. Well, absolutely. And I and said, if you're not stealing, don't worry about it. Yeah. But, and just consider you are much worse than that. Yeah. We are all sinners. I My sins are different from yours. I like some of my sins. Yeah. I, well, they're just, and I can't hardly get around them. I struggle with them. But you would see that same sin. You go, <laughs> you that's know, right. that's, that's, that's a no brainer. Why are you even having a problem with that? Yeah. Yeah. How does that, how do, how do you think all this ties into how men and women really relate in marriage today you know how how do you think it how how, do you do you find that in marriage today it's just very difficult there's so much there's so much going on there's such a high divorce rate you talk about it in the book um you know there's there's so much infiltration from all over it seems like husband and wives just don't know how to relate or how to Mm -hmm. deal with sin and right. well let's go back to the why mm-hmm. why do i want a christian marriage why does god care about marriage because if you don't have the why like why are you doing it right yeah what's the what's the purpose yeah most How people come? most people don't think about that in general right <laughs> right they don't understand that marriage is a microcosm they don't understand how god views marriage from the bible and technically, that's what this book is about. The why. Why is it such a big deal to God? You know, why did he take woman from the side of man? Mm. Why was the original one man and one woman Adam? Yeah, why don't you share that? I'm sure some of our listeners will be like, yeah, oh. tell us why, Craig. <laughs> okay, Hebrew. I go back into the Hebrew words. Yeah. I'm, I'm a Greek scholar. Yeah. 
But uh, that's New Testament. That's the Septuagint, the the Greek translation of the Hebrew from the Old Testament. But the Old Testament was Hebrew. The Jews of the time spoke Hebrew. It's all about Hebrew. And in uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, uh, God said, It's not good for man to be alone. So God cares. He didn't say, Whoa, it's bad for man to be alone. But technically, for me, it would be bad for me to be alone. Some people can handle it. Some people can't. He says, It's going to be uncomfortable. It's not best. He said, I will make for him a helpmeet. It says in the King James Version, a helper in other versions, a helpmate. So I go back to the Hebrew word. It's a ezer konegdo. You have to look that up to spell it or just get the book. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's That's in the easiest there, way. But don't take my word for it. Go a little further because you're digging for gems and jewels here. But that ezer, if you remember, um, they set up a rock pillar in, um, I think it's Chronicles, mm-hmm. the Ebenezer rock. Mm-hmm. I can't yeah. recall it off the top of my head. Is it, yeah. uh, um, it was it, uh, uh, well, it was one of the kings, obviously, you're talking about, right, in Chronicles? Yes. Um, let me see. It's in uh, Samuel, actually. Actually, Samuel took a stone in Samuel, First Samuel seven twelve, and he said, he set it up between Mizpah and Shin. He named it Ebenezer. Oh, okay. Thus saying, or saying, thus far the Lord has helped us. That's the NIV mm-hmm. version. So Ebenezer, and when you look at the Genesis two eighteen, I will make a helpmeet. And Ezer Konegdo, what is that? Well, Ebenezer is rock, the Hebrew word for rock. Ezer is savior. So mm. now God's saying, I'm going to make for man a helpmeet, a savior. Wow. And that's a little hard for some of these, some people swallow. I, I kind of had a difficulty with it at first. I think it's awesome. Until I understood that it's a saving force. Yeah. In Amen. His life. And the word konegdo cool. is literally a mirror image, hmm. a mirror and opposite image. And I relate this to an idea that I put forth in the book. It's, it's two towers of equal weight and dimension leaning on each other. Hmm. And That's awesome. Yeah. So that's God made a helpmeet for man. And he took her not from a rib, I grew up Catholic, and they said, well, God took rib from man, and I'm counting ribs, going like, okay, so if I've got this many ribs, how many does she have? Yeah. Literally, that's what I thought as a child growing up in the Catholic Church. But the word for rib is not the word used in the Hebrew. Mm. He took from the side of man, literally, took from the side. That's the original one flesh, the side of man. Uh, equal and opposite, exact mirror, all the way down to the sexual organs as far as I'm concerned. Everything just has a fit Mm. about it in the relationship all the way through and through. And when you understand that kind of stuff, then you read uh, in Peter, talks about giving honor unto the woman as unto the 
weaker vessel. You know, well, maybe she's a little weaker morally, definitely physically, quite often, not always. Mm -hmm. uh, so intellectually, she must be weaker. All this stuff comes across in our uh, Christian dumb thinking, in mm -hmm. our religiosity, in our uh, idiot thinking. Yeah, pr prejudices uh, and stuff. Right. That So the woman is less somehow than man. And the Greek word, for that fine china vessel, is it, it means fine china vessel. Yeah, that's what she I... She is the esthenes in the Greek. She mm -hmm. is the 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 one, you don't take her out in the yard and dig in the flower beds with this vessel because this vessel needs to be put on a shelf with some backlighting and some protection and some cleaning every once in a while, Art, artful objects around her. She is this fine china vessel. People come into your home and they say, is that a Ming vase? Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Presenter that, is a glorious church. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But that's us, too. Yeah, that's right. That's men. We're, we're the church. That's right. Jesus is the groom. Yeah. And in the Eastern culture of Jesus' time, their wedding ceremonies, they understood that. When Jesus said, I'm going to go prepare for you a mansion, we're thinking like, Oh, cool, I get my own room up in heaven. Right. But in that culture, the first year of marriage was spent at the father's of the groom's property. They didn't work for a year. And so that groom, he was betrothed. He'd tell his bride, he'd say, don't worry, I'm coming back. I'm going to go build a house for you on the side of my daddy's house. A chamber. A chamber. Wedding and he chamber. would go... Now, if I was a 16-year-old betrothed to some hot 16-year-old, and I'm going like, oh, I can't wait for this day. I'm going to go get some pallets and some cardboard, and I'm going to tack something up, and I'll say, okay, Dad, I'm going to go get her. Right. I got my rim. Right? We don't have to be in your house. Here's my shack. And the father would say, no, son. No, this is your bride you're going after. We want something nice. So Jesus went to prepare a place for us. And until the Father says, okay, go get your bride, this is in preparation. Yeah, that's great. And even Jesus told him, he said, I don't even know when God's going to send me because it's up to him to say, well, you know, you need some more crown molding here. Right. And let's let's <laughs> polish that floor. Let's. This bride is the most amazing thing in all of creation. I've made her for you. Let's make something really nice. And then when that day comes and the father says, okay, this is great. Go get her. He takes off with his groomsmen after dark. Marches through the village and they knocking on the post and they come with a shout to grab the bride. Yeah. And her virgins get up, they trim their lamp and, and it starts the whole wedding procession procession and yeah i understand that because i've studied it researched it the western world doesn't really get that right the eastern culture jesus time the the apostles the disciples whoever's hearing that's going like wow that's pretty deep we don't understand it yet because they're still here what do you mean yeah uh, and so you have a you have a culture that even in christendom in our culture that really doesn't 
the f- the foundations of marriage obviously is lost in so much of even church culture where where we are just our foundations are so shaky today right um unfortunately i want to talk a little bit about divorce with you it's a heavy topic mm-hmm. um it's one most people don't like to talk about but i i thought you had some great insights as far as you know the first rendering of the the hebrew terms to kind of banish Right. And and that uh, that happened all the way back in the garden mm-hmm. in Genesis. Yes, it happened uh, with uh, Cain. Yeah. Also. And God says, I'm going to divorce you, basically. Yeah. You know, I'm going to put a protective distance between you and me and my people because you're not safe. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you make and you make a great point that that really the issue always in divorce is sin. Mm-hmm. That is what we see the pattern, the biblical pattern, is right. that there's sin and then the divorce happens. Right. And I think one of the cool things you said that I, I don't think many pastors get, by the way. I mean, I've only been a minister for 24 years. Oh, you're getting a start at it. I'm then. getting a start. But um, it, it, it's like, I find that divorce becomes a very complicated topic with ministers in counseling Um, and there's something you say that I think is really profound and that is divorce happens far before the paperwork absolutely and 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 that is so true because a lot of pastors will say to say uh, a woman like you know what you shouldn't divorce your husband you know, the, the, the law says the law says blah, blah, right. blah, blah, blah. Right. Mm-hmm. But what does that do? Well, the, the you've got to go back to the root cause. The root cause is somewhere along the line that husband did not treat that wife like the fine china vessel. And I, I tell a story in my seminars. Uh, I've been doing a six week tour, book signing and seminars at different places. Uh, I did one at a wedding chapel. Uh, in East Texas, uh, just an amazing place, mm. and um, kind of lost my train of thought there. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. We were talking about just divorce, and we were right. talking about. Uh, so, right, the husband didn't. Okay, so I I start with a story. There it is. There's that thought. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> and uh, the story is there was a psychologist major in college, and he had a friend who was a lawyer, and the lawyer was married. But the lawyer wasn't getting along too good with his wife. And every few weeks, they would see each other. And and he just kept seeing this marriage going down, going down, going down. And his buddy, his friend, his childhood friend is going, oh, man, she is so destructive. She is so hateful. And she's fat. She's smelly. Everything about her, she's, she's ripping me apart. She is destroying me. What can I do to destroy her? And the psychologist major thought, hmm. and he gave him an honest answer. He said, make her so in love with you that she can't live without you. And then, bam, drop those papers on her. On your way home, go get some chocolates and just give them to her. And then when she's talking, listen to her and repeat back to her when she ask you a question when she makes a comment. Let her know you're really listening. Take her on a date. Bring her flowers. Go go away for a weekend. Hmm. Two months from now, she's going to be so in love with you. 
that when you drop those papers, it will shatter her soul. Wow. It will break her in a million pieces. And the, the guy said, wow, that is so evil. But that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> so it was about three months later, the psychologist major runs into his lawyer friend. And he said, well, how's that old divorce thing going? He said, man, you saved my marriage. <laughs> I, I don't know how you did it. What you said was the only thing that was going to save our marriage. Right. We are so in love. I was making such a huge mistake. My wife has lost weight. We are just having, I, if, oh, man, thank you. That's good. That's awesome. Right. So and, you can, and, and, and the story obviously is all about how he treated her. Right. That really is what it and is about. Consequently, how she treated him. Yeah. It's a two way street. But Jesus says, love your wives, even as Christ so loved the church. And in my book, I cover that word even as that's not the goal. The, the Greek word is not. OK, try to get this level. That Greek word is kathos, K-A-T-H-O-S. And it's, this is the starting point, guys. Mm. Love your wives, even as Christ so loved the church. And what did that church do to him? You tell me what yeah. they did to him. Uh, the church, um, they didn't do too well. No, they murdered him. He went to the cross for them, saying, God, I see the big picture. Yeah. And I don't know anybody... I've not personally met anyone whose wife is actively trying to kill him. Yeah. I see him trying to pierce him like the Sadducees and the Pharisees trying to trap him. I see all these other setups, and yet Jesus still loved them. And he was there to minister to the lost sheep mm. of the house of Israel, the very ones that killed him. That's our starting point for marriage. Yeah. It's not the goal. If you think that's the goal, you're not thinking... God's way. Yeah, because you, you, yeah, yeah. I, I see that point's important because you got to have that. It's got to. That's got to be the foundation. Yes, that's what you're saying. That's got to be the just the starting point. Yes. Um, not like, hey, we're gonna get there one day, but but I'm gonna treat you bad now. Right. And then I'll get there at some point. Right. I'm gonna treat you a little less bad tomorrow. <laughs> right. We're I gonna promise. We're gonna do this in yeah. stages. Yeah. Right. No. Sometimes life feels like that. There's mm -hmm. no doubt about that. Yes. And, and, um, and that's just worldly thinking. There's all kinds of voices in this world. That's right. But the renewing of the mind says, no, we are, this is what we are capable of doing. Right. Now. My identity is not in my sexuality. Yeah. Oh, man, that's, if you can repeat that a hundred times in this culture. And it make is, it so. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. You know, my identity is not what I want uh, in my sexuality. Right. You know. Absolutely uh, not. That's right, because growing up in San Fernando, I wanted all kinds of things. But when I became a Christian, I realized that my body is not my own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body. Like, wow, what an eye-opener. Mm -hmm. Like, meaning my identity is in Christ alone. It's not in, uh, I, my body is no longer mine. I, I, you know, It's not even in your marriage. That's Your right. marriage could be an example. It can be the typeset. People should look at your marriage and say, that's a godly marriage. That's what Jesus went to the cross for. That's what God got him up for. And yeah. We're so far below that. So people come to me for counseling, uh, and they're hateful, mad at each other. It's like, we got to take about 10 steps 
backwards. Right, and just focus on that identity. That, yes, that absolutely. Of who are you in Christ? What mm. what is what is moving your emotions? What right. is moving you? Is it really Christ? You know, I've always looked at Psalm seventy three twenty five and twenty six as like one of those staples in counseling, marital counseling. You know, whom have I in heaven but you? And on the earth, there's nothing I desire besides you. My heart and flesh will fail. And I've always put like my wife and my kids in that twenty six section where it says my flesh and heart will fail, and I put their names. Mm-hmm. You know, well, we just live so far below where God wants us to, and and we're not perfect beings; we're imperfect beings in an imperfect world. But yeah, if we set our heart, God's already there. The second the prodigal son turned his heart back to the forgiving father, mm-hmm. he was there for him. Yeah, the forgiving father was watching for him. Yeah, he saw him afar off, and he's going like. I'm going to run and get him. I'm going to bring him back. Quick, bring a robe, bring a ring, bring some shoes. Yeah. And we're off quite too often. We're that prodigal son, too. And we're going like, but God, I'm not worthy. You know, I I can't wear that ring. Right. I, this cloak, no. I'm going to go over here and live with your servants because I'd screwed up so bad. Right. Because I'd sinned so bad. There's no way you can forgive me. No, yeah. God is forgiveness. He is rich in mercy. Rich yeah. means you got more than you can spend. I like where it says in Timothy, even when, I think it's Second Timothy two thirteen says, even if we are faithless, He remains faithful. Yes. Wow, right. it's amazing. So quit feeding the pigs. Turn to God. You yeah. can make this easy, or you can make it hard. Yeah. You can take the short road home and say, God, I'm sorry. What's next? Yeah, when people are on the verge of divorce, you know, what are some of the advice that you give them when they're in that place? I mean, I work with many men that struggle with sexual mm-hmm. issues. Um, and they're, some of them are right there, man, you yeah. know. Well, generally, I, I have to build a scriptural foundation after we make sure we've got some Christ identity going. Yeah. And that's the biggest struggle right there. And once they've got that Christ identity, you can feed them scriptures you can teach them out of second corinthians or first corinthians 7 about marriage and um yeah the principles of it widowhood and and all the gifts and substance thereof and you know if the unbeliever depart let them depart you're not bound you can you can teach them the foundation of uh love your wife even as christ so loved the church but it's really important to just start them off with that identity right and here's the problem, too, when you have a Christian spouse treating other people better than their spouse, there's already a problem. Mm-hmm. And it's usually based, steeped in pride. Mm-hmm. And, well, he offended me. You know, and then uh, one thing I did in my marriage where my wife died, we were married 26 years. This is my, this is what I did. I would blame stack. And I get this big old stack of, she did this, she did that, she did this. And then first time she came at me with something I did, I'd push the whole pile over on her. Mm. So unloving, so ridiculous. Yeah. And my heart begs God for forgiveness. He already has. I've got to live with the fact that I mistreated her and promised that I would never mistreat my wife of today. Now, my wife and I back then reconciled and we were doing pretty good, but 
um, I've been through it. I've been through right there to the edge of that. Yeah, yeah. And I blame stacking's a big thing. Forgiveness. Mm. It's so huge. If if uh, my wife comes to me and says, I'm sorry, honey, forgive me, it's gone. East to the west, baby. Never bring it up again. I go to her, and it's more often me going to her. Honey, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I screwed up again. Yeah. I'm usually the, yeah, the bad guy. Yeah, I relate, man. I'm, I'm a guy. I'm a hairy-legged boy. Yeah. And we're, we don't get it. And I, all the time, I'm making mistakes and I go to her and I say I'm sorry honey forgive me honey I'll never do that again and I mean it and she totally forgives me yeah that's great and it never comes up again so there's always an opportunity to just start right now get your identity with Christ who you are and then move forward and well, then David and King David caused the death of how many priests 70 yeah yeah and he said oops I'm sorry the next, very next verse said, let's let's go. we got to move out. Yeah. And David was a man after God's own heart. And boy, did he sin. Many times. Bathsheba, Uriah. I've never killed a man right. to get his wife. David killed a man. Wasn't the greatest parent either. No. <laughs> and God calls him yeah. a man after his own heart. Why? Yeah. Because he would start over he'd say god you're right i'm wrong oh my gosh be my savior be my rescuer yeah what a what a great point you know hey let's talk we talk a lot about pornography we talk a lot about those issues you have a little little section on that too why don't you share a little bit about what you what you see about pornography and its infiltration in the culture and and in marriages right this hits home with your recent podcast about pornography yeah and uh, sex addiction and pornography addiction and all that and yes and no it's it's an addiction it's it's a sin very much so you're letting your heart yeah go after some woman and and that's what i don't get is how can i look at some woman and she's got a boyfriend or she's got a husband she's got you know she's got a daddy who's supposed to be covering her life I can't do that because of my Christian heart. But the addiction part, if you want to call it the addiction part, comes in in the neurochemicals. Whoa, I like that ride. That's the roller coaster endorphins. That's like, wee, I want to do that again. And every time it's got to go a little higher, a little higher, a little faster, a little further, especially if we're on pharmaceutical drugs and our endorphin centers are messed up and We've got to have a little bit higher, you know, that crack high. How do you top that high? And we build that chemical dependence into our brain where we're just not going to feel good without that. And we train our brains the same way we can untrain them. It's not easy. There's going to be withdrawals. Sure. It can be done. It's what do you want to do? You want to keep your addiction? You want to make a oneness with God? You want to look at sin and see what to do about it, or do you want to have your party? Yeah. I think what's always helped me in dealing with pornography in my own life and in my own pastorate, you know, because it's it's interesting to be a pastor who has struggled with pornography and who lust is something that really is their struggle. Most pastors don't want to talk about those things. So I always... 
I, I'm one of those guy, pastors that a lot of pastors kind of avoid. They go, you know, I don't know if we want to <laughs> oh, talk to Pastor Bo. Yeah, <laughs> let's not talk to this guy, this pastor, just because this pastor is gonna bring those things up. Because mm-hmm. um, lust is a is a is a temptation. Like, I mean, lust. There can be lust of many things. You know, not just sexual lust. Right. Um, you know, but identifying like those things you talk about of. Look, looking at it from a different angle, looking at it of, of that person that I'm looking at, what's their life like? What are they going through in their life? Who is their people, significant others in their life? What has their family life been like? Those things all play a part in breaking down the illusion that, um, you know, the, the saccharine is, the eye candy, so to speak, mm-hmm. you know, that artificial right. sexual, you know, stimulation that goes on. To be able to break that down in a in a man or a woman who's been looking at it for long periods of time is is vital, right? And there's going to be the withdrawals. That's right. And there's going to have to be accountability. There's going to have to be a desire to change. Yeah. And yeah, a, a man forced to change against his will is of, of his same opinion still. Yeah. And sometimes the wife, and this happens time and time again, the wife comes and she says. He's addicted to pornography. He sits there pornography. I get nothing. And the computer gets it all. You know, the the dastardly thing about pornography is so easy to find. Yeah. So cheap. And that's probably the difference in my world and your world. I mean, I'm forty five. That's definitely been the change in my lifetime. Yes. Right. The Playboy magazine back in the day you had to pay money for it. That's right. Now you just have to trip on the wrong website yeah literally you sometimes i was googling carrots and it comes up with pornography yeah you're like what how how did i get there but the other part of it is is if it is is that it's so easy to hide and it can be virtually undetectable Mm -hmm. virtually virtual (laughs) yeah and uh, the woman brings the husband in and says He's addicted to pornography. That's her complaint. He may or may not want to change. Between you and me, my favorite sins, I like them. Sure. It's a struggle. I have to say, wow, wonderful as that feels and is and all. You know what? I'm going to repeat some scriptures instead. I'm going to. Yeah. And that's what I've always found is, is to be honest with God and saying, God, you know, there's a part of me that loves pornography Mm -hmm. there is a part of me that is riveted to this and i am not going to hide that before you i'm going to be honest with my lord and i'm going to say god i need you to change this heart i want to see things your way right but you need to do that work in me and and that's that's that identity foundation Mm -hmm. that i know um i work on all the time is just being honest with god and Um, and being accountable. Accountable. But if the, she brings the husband, they're trying to counsel, and he really, his heart's not into changing it, you're going to beat your head against the wall. Yeah. For six, eight, ten, twelve months, two years with some people, couples, oh, yeah. and they're still going to get divorced because you can't get to the root problem. The root problem is, well, I kind of want to because it'll shut her up. Yeah. Yeah, or, meaning meaning you, 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 he's he's trying to change to shut her up. Right. Yeah, which his motivation's wrong. 
right? right. Yeah, it's always, you know, it always goes back to those those identity motivations, you know. I always think of Psalm 115, 1, not unto us, but to your name be the glory. Is my heart really wanting to glorify you? Yes. Man, Lord, and I find my heart going, no. And I go, God, I need I need that thing to change. Yeah. You know, because um, you're right. There are things that we love and, um, you know, we will put them before God. That's right. And and, and so your book really is a, a, a I thought it was a breath of fresh air. I'm sorry to hear Twitter didn't, <laughs> didn't respond in such okay. the same I was, way. I sold more books in that week. <laughs> That's great. Then. But it is nice. I think and I think it's a great reference. I mean, uh, I, I really want to um, get some for our guys and just use it as a reference just to say, hey, read over this. I thought it was good and concise. Um, you didn't take, you know, 500 pages to say what needed to be said. That was my heart, too. I said, God, if I'm going to write this, I don't want to. It's not going to be 500 pages of fluff and 20 pages of good stuff. Right. No, it's good. It's concise. Um, I think it gives a lot of people, whether for premarital or postmarital, a great foundation. So you did a great job. The Lord Thanks. really used you in it. I'm glad to hear that you got some success with it and that you're you're going around um, doing the talks and, and doing and doing stuff like this, the podcast. Right. It's great. And my goal is not to sell more books. Yeah. That's God's business. You speak the word. It goes out there. It produces what God wants it to produce. Yeah. And it does not come back void. So if I'm speaking the word of truth in this book, it will have a life of its own. Yeah, absolutely. It's God's truth. I don't have to worry about how many books sell. I'd like it to sell a million. Sure. Because there's truth in there. Yeah. Because I want that truth in your life. And every man and woman who wants a Christian marriage, I want it in their life because it's the word. So how can people get in touch with you, Craig? Well, my uh, website is one man, one woman dot today. Dot today. Today. Because That's we're looking at how... God's original design in the garden got so fouled up all the way till today. So it's one man, woman today, not today. And what does that look like from God's original intent? What does that look like today? Yeah, that's cool. You know, our, 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 our kind of, we have uh, our name of ministries running light, but better pleasure is also, um, kind of our main theme it's taken from psalm 36 8 come drink from the river of god's mm -hmm. pleasure but um if you've ever noticed our logo it has like a little male and female sign on the b and on the p yes and it and it's just an idea that this ministry is for both genders because dealing with sexual things isn't just a male issue lust right. knows no gender but but also that um there's something there's something beautiful in God's origination of marriage for male and female. Yes. And um, and I love that you just one man, one woman. Um, and I know that's an affront to a lot of people in our, our you know, in our culture. Um, but you know what I say? It's not written. It's not about you. It's not written to you. Yeah. And that's fine. And I'm not I'm OK with that. Yeah. I'm okay with Twitter banning me. It's not <laughs> written to them. It's written to people who want to know why. Yeah. That's and have the most amazing Christian marriage available. That's great. So one man, woman, one dot. One man, one woman. One man, one woman, 
today. Yes. And then so they can go to your website and do you have any kind of Twitter or social media presence? Absolutely. Yeah. Facebook, um, all of it. Okay, so and they can go LinkedIn, to LinkedIn. And the way you spell uh, Craig's last name, listeners, is S T E L L P F L U G. Correct. But you do not pronounce the P or the G. Unless you're in Germany. Unless you're in Germany, and then right. you, then you do it. And you can go on Amazon, start typing in Craig Stell, and about the time you you'll see or at it. Stell, you're gonna get to. Right, about the time you get Stell, my name's gonna pop up. That's great, man. That's great. And well, we're gonna definitely support. Get it support at Barnes and Noble. You can get it starting to trickle into some of the Bible bookstores. Okay. The uh, thing about book distribution, writing a book. Um, we could do a whole show on becoming an author, but yeah. with a company like Zondervan, the books don't get to the shelf overnight. Mm. So this is actually a pre-tour. My books aren't even at Barnes and Nobles, and I'm trying to line up signings, and they're saying we can't sign you till we get the books. Oh, wow. So it takes a while. Takes a little while, but that's wow. okay. You can order it on my website, or you can go. Yeah, yeah, or Amazon. go to Amazon and do it. You can get the ebook. You can get the hardcover. You can get the soft cover. If you email me, uh, we'll figure out how to get you a personalized copy. I love signing these books because I go to God and I say, "What can I say to this believer, to this person? Hmm. What one thing I can can I say that will impact their lives? That will." say this is like pure prophecy this is from the mouth of god to your heart that's and I awesome love personalizing because it's an opportunity to reach someone personally yeah well you did a great job craig it's awesome having you on the better pleasure podcast and we appreciate your time okay well i'm really thankful what for what you're doing thanks i've, I've been uh, perusing through your website seeing some of these great uh, teaching lessons and then the podcast and it's it's an amazing database thank you thank you we're yeah. we're we're getting it going and we're enjoying it you know the lord uh man it's all him you know right. we know that it's all his work right. and, and i definitely plan, when i put this podcast on my website it's going to link to yours but i also plan on putting your website on there because this is good stuff important stuff no well, thank when you when you make that decision i want the best marriage possible you're going to need a lot of help. Yeah. You need a lot of scripture. You're going to need to open up your heart. Yeah, a lot of a lot of all of us work as a team to fortify our own marriages. I mean, I think first and foremost, right, all the ministries we do are to fortify ourselves and then then to be conduits of grace to other people. Amen. That's what it's about. So thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Check out runninglight.org to begin our two video series, Take Flight and Love or Lust. You can also send us questions on Twitter at Running Light or on our runninglight.org podcast page. Like us on Facebook at Running Light Ministries, Psalm 36.8. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures.